Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. The title of my message this morning is The Antidote for Depression. The Antidote for Depression. And this message is not necessarily for you, but it is for you to take it and help people. Because statistics prove that one out of six people in America are facing depression. And when I say depression, I'm talking about major depression. Not not the mal depression, but major depression. And a lot of people are dealing with depression because it's generational. So we're believing God today as we minister the word of God that the word of God will set people free. Because depression is of the enemy. I'm going to say this uh, uh, particularly to our e-church and people who are viewing us by our broadcast and we're always so honored that you've tuned in out of all of the places you could tune in on a Sunday morning. Uh, many of you tune into this broadcast and, and thousands of people watch it later as, it, uh, as they tune in as it, you know, to their convenience or whatever. But, but I want to say this, and please receive it in, in the heart set in which I'm, I'm trying to convey it. And, and that is, you staying at home is a trick of the devil. And I am amazed. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible consistently, it, it, will, it will almost scare you straight. When you read what the Bible says would be happening in the end times, and I don't do a lot of teaching and majoring on eschatology. I do know a, a lot about it. But, but my major focus have always been, you know, when Jesus comes to take the church, if you're ready, you're going to leave. And my goal is just to get you ready. And so there are some ministers who feel a clarion call to where pretty much their ministry focuses pretty much on eschatology. And I enjoy their ministry. But it's amazing today because Paul talking to the church in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, forsake not the assemblings of yourselves together. And I don't want people who are watching the broadcast to get offended, but I do want you to wake up because unless you have some kind of physical uh, challenge that is preventing you from being in the house of God, you are out of the will of God. And And as much as I love you, and as much as people say, and I bump into them, you know, all all around the country, and they'll say, so-and-so's my pastor, and that pastor's in Houston, and and they live in Tupelo, Mississippi. And, uh, and, and, And so, you know, they pull up to their television set, and, and, uh, and they sit there, and they have church. And I believe you're deceiving yourselves because 
if that was the will of God, then this Bible is a lie. If you can stay at home and stay spiritually strong, this Bible is a lie. Because the Bible says that we need one another. That we all are a part of the body. And can the hand say to the foot that we have no need of you? So you're not listening to the spirit of God when you can come to the house of God and you just choose not to come because it has become an inconvenience. Because you have developed a habit of not coming to church. And I've ne- even when I wasn't living right, I came to church. Why? Because I knew I needed to be around precious believers. And you are, you are listening to the voice of the liar when you say you can stay away from the house of God and remain spiritually strong. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Because what you're saying is that you can maintain your spirituality without us. And if that's the truth, the Bible is a lie. We draw strength from one another. We're to encourage one another. And also it is a form of honoring God to come to his house. And you can't tell me that it is the same honor when you roll out of bed and Get yourself together and get the kids and come to the house of God. And all somebody else has to do is just roll over into bed and flip on the television with their pajamas on and a cup of coffee. And when praise and worship is going on, don't even open their mouths. You can't tell me that you're getting the same impartation. Come on now. And so... I'm saying to those who are watching us, maybe Harvest Church is not close enough to you, but you need to find a church that is close enough to you within a hundred mile radius. That's close enough. That is teaching the uncompromising word of God because you need an under shepherd. And as much as you may call me your pastor, If I'm really your pastor, I want to know you, and you should want to know me. And so we've we've gotten into this modern age, and we've allowed this modern age to distort truth. And God hasn't changed his mind. And sin is running rapid. You got more Christians now shacking up than we ever had probably in the history of the church. Why? They're sitting at home being God unto themselves. And the Bible says every man is right in his own eyes. But when you come to the house of God and get around people of like precious faith, it does challenge you. And it does make you uncomfortable because you have to become uncomfortable to grow. 
And truth does make you free. But usually when you first hear truth, it makes you mad. Because your flesh does not want to change. This is not my message today. But I feel this clarion call. Because this spirit is getting stronger and stronger and deceiving people that I never would have thought would have been deceived. I mean, I thought as their pastor, they were anchored in the truth of God's word. And they have fallen prey to this foolishness, this deception of staying away from the house of God and have deceived the voice of Satan. That staying away from the house of God, that they are still spiritually sound. And if you didn't need me as a pastor, why would God call pastors? It's a trick of the enemy. And the sad part about it, you may be comfortable right now. But I'm telling you, destruction is on its way. And you're not going to have anywhere to turn. And if you stay away from me long enough, you'll get disconnected. Now who's your pastor? And who's going to help you with your children? And who's going to help you when your marriage needs, needs help? Because every marriage needs help every now and then. I'm helping marriages today. Because I'm going to minister on this thing called depression. Let, let me give you some things here. Some of the causes of depression. Traumatic or stressful events. Some of the causes of depression. Physical or sexual abuse. Loss of a loved one. We have to deal with this because even in church, we have people who are, who are habitual depressants. They're always depressed and can't seem to get free. And I'm not just going to talk to you today about depression. I'm going to give you the antidote. And it's no secret the praise team has already opened the book. Why? Because you can't praise and be depressed at the same time. You cannot praise God and worry too. Because as you praise God, he gets bigger and he gets bigger and he gets bigger. And after a while, he's bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your circumstance. He's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your debt. He's bigger than your sickness. He's bigger than your disease. He's bigger than your marital problem. He's bigger than your children's problem. He's bigger than your financial problem. You began to praise God after a period of time. Your mind gets saturated with God. Look at somebody and tell them, say, Satan is after your mind. And I believe you have a piece of your mind if you're staying at home when you should be at church. 
It's clear that your thinking has been contaminated. How in the world are you going to need to come to the house of God for 30-something years of your life and all of a sudden because of a pandemic or a disease, now it's been canceled? Maybe the COVID virus really revealed who was who and what was what. Because the COVID virus didn't change my heart. And it's clear it didn't change yours or you wouldn't be here. The two-year sabbatical haven't stopped my fervor for wanting to be with precious saints of like precious faith. As a matter of fact, if anything, the COVID virus revealed, it revealed how much we needed one another. Man, I was glad when they said at Harvest Church, let us go back into the house of God. And some of you, when you heard that we were going to have church again, you started setting out your clothes on Thursday. I was glad, not sad, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. To the house of the Lord. The preacher didn't even have to preach. I got excited just seeing somebody. Just seeing that somebody made it through the storm and still loved Jesus. Good God of mercy. Please, please have a seat. Let's, let's not get too excited. Not yet. Some of the causes of depression. Alcoholism. Drug addiction, bipolar disorders, we can go on and on and on. Depression is a leading cause of mental health. Depression is the leading cause of mental health. One out of six Americans has had at least one major episode with depression. 21 plus million adults, 18 years or older, have been dealing with with some form of depression. Is this helping anybody? Suicide, and this is really what led me to this. I got a call of someone back in my home, and they, they, my first, they text me first, then they call and say, would you please pray? And then I got another call, and then I heard through somebody else that some young folks was killing themselves. And I'm like, how much life have a person lived in 18 years that is so depressing after 18 years of life, and I'll be 69, what has happened in their lives in such a short span of time that they don't want to live anymore? that they're willing to cut their wrists, and in this particular case, even cut their throats. Because they don't want to live. Because depression has overtake them, to overtaken them to such a degree that they don't even live anymore. Then you have people who are so depressed, they don't even want to get out of bed. 
Can I help you today? Just because your spouse is smiling at you doesn't mean they're happy. Anybody saying them, but sound like two kids over here. Just because your children are acting a certain way in the house doesn't mean they're happy. What's going on up in that room? And the devil is after our children. And here's what makes me so mad. He doesn't even camouflage it anymore. It's just right in your face. Just the devil. And so people are taking, even Christians are taking all kind of drugs for depression. Wake up in the morning, haven't even started the day and depressed. Nothing's even happened that day yet. And they're depressed. Am I helping anybody? So suicide is the number three cause of death amongst our teenagers. Number one is accidents. Number two is homicide. Number four, the number four cause of death amongst our teenagers is cancer. Cancer. And worry and depression, oppression, opens the door for cancer. Some of you were not sick until somebody told you you were sick. Healthy, living a good life until somebody said you're sick. And when they said it, you received it. When somebody sends you a certified letter, you don't have to sign for it. Take it next door. Well, your name's on the letter. Change the name. Nobody in this house has this. The healing power of Jesus flow in this house. By the stripes of Jesus, everybody in this house, amen, they walk in divine health. Whose report are you going to believe? Somebody said, well, you sounding foolish. No, I'm fighting. I'm not rolling over just taking what the devil says. I'm fighting back. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I'm taking the word of God just like Jesus and defeating the devil. The devil's saying one thing, but it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And it's not just coming out of God's mouth. It's coming out of my mouth. So to avoid depression, you must get rid of stress. You must get rid of stress. To avoid depression, you need to develop. Say develop. You need to develop strong. Say strong. Godly. Say godly. Relationships. Say relationships. You need strong, godly relationships. In other words, you need to get around people that when you get around them, uh, you feel good after you leave their presence. They build you up instead of tearing you down. 
They excite you rather than draining you. And if you're married to somebody who's a drainer, you need to pray. Because you can't get away from them. But I remember a member told me, he said, said, I can't hang around so-and-so. Because if I hang around them, pastor, I will get disconnected from Harvest Earth. And I thought to myself, why would you hang around here and talk to other people and don't agree with what I'm saying? That's the devil. Your presence is an indictment to your stupidity. I have more respect for somebody who don't agree and leave than I do who somebody who don't agree and stay and breed confusion. Because Jesus said, didn't he say it? He said, you're either for me or you're against me. You either believe in the vision of Harvest Church or you don't. And if you don't agree with the vision, no problem. Go down the street and find one you can agree with. But don't come in here and try to muddy our water. It's blessing us. It's changing our lives. Glory to God. So you must, if you're going to walk and and walk in victory and, and not have to always be dealing with depression, you have to get away from toxic people. I will. And sometimes those toxic people can be in your own church. And it doesn't take you long. When you get around somebody and they go to talking and it's clear they're not agreeing with me as the overseer, that's your answer. That you need to get away from them. And you need to tell them, it's clear you don't agree with Pastor Howe. I suggest you find another church or start your own. Boy, I got quiet. I'm dealing with depression. Put up nugget number one. You're going to walk in victory. You're going to have to get away from toxic people. You're going to walk in blessings. You're going to have to get away from toxic people. You're going to have to get around people who believe like you believe. Nugget number one. Is it up on the screen? It is. I I was looking toward the back. I'm sorry. Ready? Uh, Let's read. So many people today are nugget number two. Nugget number two. Ready? Read. I can't see it in the back. I'm sorry. Say it again. Now, now we're, we're not going to fight because the world will tell you there's another methodology. There's another antidote for depression. And most of the time it involves drugs. 
but because God already knew about depression before the doctors did, he created an antidote. Read number two again, please. Ready? Read. Notice, Minister Phillips, it's not praise, it's the practice. And how many of you practice praise? That's the first thing I do every morning when I get up before I pray. Before I pray every morning at 6.30, I praise God. I don't give myself a chance to look at what I don't have. Because praise will cause you to praise him for what you already have. So the first thing I do every morning at 6.30, I begin to praise him and honor him. Before I get into prayer. Because after I praise him, it puts me in the mindset to pray. Every morning. And I don't do it because I'm a pastor. I do it because I love Jesus. And I love him more than anything. And I love him so much that my wife knows that I love him. And my children know that I love him. And the church that I pastor, if you ever go there, if you ever visit the church that I pastor, the members know that I love him. I know I'm in this guest church today. But I love him with all my heart. He's kept me in this city for over 30 some years. He's kept me clean and protected. I praise him. And I thank him. I wasn't always strong, but he was always faithful. Because he said, if you want to be kept, I'll keep you. I've been in situations where I should have been and could have been in trouble. But supernaturally, supernaturally, when I came to my senses, I was heading another direction. And when I realized it, I realized that it was God who was keeping me. So I praise him today. I praise him today, not so much that there are things that I don't want to do anymore. Some things I have victory over because I'm too old to do it. And can get no help now. But I want to thank God for his patience and his long-suffering. That he didn't cancel me in the weak times of my journey. That's why I praise him. Because he's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. And there's nothing that he cannot do. He's a healer when you're sick. He's a lawyer when you're in trouble. He's a way maker when there's no way out. He's a bridge over troubled waters. He's a wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's a bright and morning star. He's a road of Sharon. He's a helper when you're in trouble. He's the keeper of my children. He's the keeper of my grandchildren. That's why I praise him. I praise him because he's the one who put food on the table and a roof over my head. I praise him because he's the one who made a way for me to have clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. And if my children don't understand 
why I praise him so much. I'll keep praising him until they understand. That everything we have, it is because of the goodness. That's why I praise him. I don't have time to be depressed. God's been too good to me. Come on, tell somebody. I don't have time to be depressed. God has been too good. You might leave me and I may cry for a while, but it won't be long because God has been too good to me for me to be depressed. Good God of mercy. When I think about where I am today and where I was not long ago, I can't help but praise him. He kept my mind when I should have had a nervous breakdown. When I didn't know which way to turn, he, he placed me on a solid foundation. When my friends left me, he stayed right there. And when I slipped and when I stumbled, he always extended a hand of grace and mercy and pulled me out of the pit that I fell in. That's why I praise him. I praise him because he's worthy. I praise him because he's God and beside him there is no other. I praise him because he is the great and mighty God. I praise him because he's El Shaddai. I praise him because he's Jehovah Tiskanu. I praise him because he is my Jehovah Jireh. I praise him because he's, oh, he's almighty God. I praise him. I praise him. I praise him. I praise him for my house. I praise him for my car. I praise him for everything that he's given me. I praise him. I praise him. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to praise him. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. I'm going to give you 9 seconds. I'm going to give you 8 seconds. I'm going to give you 7 seconds. I'm going to give you 5 seconds. I'm going to give you 4 seconds. 3 seconds. 2 seconds. 1 second. Hallelujah. Is he worthy? 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 He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Thank you, Lord. Come on now, let's do this real quick and be finished for today. Please have a seat. Please remain seated. Praise is the key to the manifestation of God's presence. How can you live 
in a house, your dwelling place, and not have a habit when you go in to give him praise. How can you drive a car when some folks are at a bus stop and not give him praise for providing transportation for you? How can you walk in a house with furniture, whether it's new or old, God let you have it, and not give him praise for what God has done for you? Get your eyes off of the Joneses and get your eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. I will bless the Lord. I'm going to have church by myself today. But I will. Bless the Lord at all times. His praises, his praises, not yours, his praises, not the president, his praises shall continually. I don't have time to be depressed. I don't have time to be lonely. How can I be lonely when he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me? All I have to do is acknowledge that he's here. You're not raising those children by yourself. The Holy Ghost is helping you. Mm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually say this with me. I will be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer. Please, please have a seat. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 1 and we'll close this service down. I'm going to ask everybody just for a moment to stop thinking of God's goodness because you'll blow a fuse. Because you're either backslidden or you're not born again. Because it's hard. I've tried it. It's hard. I don't care what anybody else is doing. It's hard to be silent. And it's hard to be still when you start thinking about how good God has been. Because nobody knows. Not even your husband. Not even your wife. Nobody knows how good God has been to you like you know how good God has been to you. Jeremiah said it was like fire shut up in my bones. I got to praise him. 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 In your home today, you need to praise Please, go, go to James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1, please. James chapter 1. Look at, look at James chapter 1. Oh, thank you. Praise is the antidote for depression. Praise is the antidote. You better hear what I'm saying. Because you can be in a situation where... Your husband 
or your wife or your children or family members are not treating you right or fair. Are you listening to me? And if you major your focus on what they're doing to you, you'll get depressed. Are you listening to me? You, you can't watch television a great deal and not get depressed. You can't stay in victory and watching the news all day. It's all depressing. Are you all listening to me today? You're going to have to on purpose. Uh, let, let, let me see that thing. Yeah, let me see that gadget. I should have come to you. I'm sorry, Dad. But they told me to stay up here when I'm ministering. You all know flesh. Don't eat of that tree. The day you eat up. But anyway, some of you, the reason you're so uptight is this thing's got you. It's got you so bad, you put it on the side of your bed. It's, it's no, not praise. The first thing you do when you wake up is you grab this. Not praise. Your mind is not on God. It's who may have texted you last night. Or what's went on to the stock market last night. You're hooked on this. You can't even hardly think straight because this thing is always going off. And got quiet now. I mean, you're a junkie. You're a junkie to your phone. You can't even eat a dinner in peace. Every time you sit down to eat, the devil makes sure somebody call you. And there's always a call you got to answer. I mean, when some of you leave this at home, you act like something tragic has happened. Oh, God, I done left my phone. You're already on probation, on the job. I mean, some of you have a fit. Oh, man, I left my, where's my phone? Where's my, tear your house up. Looking for a phone. Go the next door to your neighbor and say, call me. Hooked. And God didn't intend for you to be hooked on some electronic gadget. His goal is for you to be hooked on him. And you spend more time with your iPhone than you do with God. You look at your iPhone more than you look at the Bible. So we wonder why this generation is so depressed. Some people, your first praise all this week was this morning, and you were casual in that. Singing, but your heart's not in it. And if your heart's not in it, God doesn't hear it. Jesus. So for you and I, not to praise God is a sign that we have forgotten what he has done for us. 
but it's good teaching. You're in James chapter 1. Look at verse 22 real quick. James 1, 22. But be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and do not do it, or is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. So the word of God is a mirror. You don't know you need to change until you look in the mirror. You don't even know one eye is bigger than the other until you look in the mirror. You, I mean, you, you don't even know how to arch your eyebrows unless you look in the mirror. And that's why some don't want to get into the word of God because the word of God is a mirror. It will reflect back to you who you are. And it'll also tell you what you're supposed to be. So hearing the word is not enough. Some people hear the word and dance and shout over it and go out and do none of it. And then blame the preacher, the pastor for their lack of progress. I, want, I feel like it. So the problem is not the word, it's how we respond to it. The problem is not the word of God, it's how we respond to it. Let all the people praise you, O God, Psalm 67. Let heaven and earth praise him, the sea and everything that moves in the sea. Praise God. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let everything that have breath The reason your children are so ungrateful and so unthankful is that you didn't teach them in their formative years how to praise God. And you didn't tell your children why they were living the kind of life they live. They need to know. You need to tell your children how we got the house and how we kept the house. You need to tell your children how you paid the light bill and the water bill and the gas bill. You need to tell your children how you were able to buy their school supplies and their school clothes. You need to tell your children who makes it possible. And it's not Santa Claus. You need to tell your children that everything you have as a parent, it is God who made it possible. Jesus. And then demonstrate in front of them how grateful you are of how God has blessed you. This is, this is good teaching here. I said this is good teaching. Th this is good. Go to Psalms 22 and we'll close on this. Remember I said earlier that Satan was after your mind? Stand to your feet. Take one of your hands and put it on your head. Well, we'll say your brain, but really the mind is the solical part of, of, your, of your triune being. But say mind. Speak to your mind. Say, I'm speaking to my mind. And I'm telling my mind. Mind. My mind. You will 
praise the Lord. Tell it again. You will praise the Lord. Tell your mind again. You will praise the Lord. Tell your mind again. You will praise the Lord. Now, what were you doing by saying that? You were telling your mind that you're not going to focus on anything but Jesus. Because when you make a decision to praise God, Satan will attack your mind. And try to get your mind to start thinking about something else. You're trying to praise God and trying to remember, did you turn the stove off? And this moment at this time, I don't have nothing to do with your stove. But that's the devil is after your, your mind. Because you can't praise God without focus. So you have to tell your mind, mind, you will praise God. That means you're telling your mind, I'm shutting you down from every thought, from every impression, if it doesn't have anything to do with me praising God. You're shutting it down and you're telling the devil it's off limits. You have no place in me. My mind will praise God. Praising people are happier. Because praising people are givers. Because you have to give praise. You have to give praise. You have to give praise. And giving is a decision of the heart. When I think of the goodness of Jesus <laughs> and all that he's done for me. Let, let me give you this in, in, in close. Please have a seat. Say this three times. I have a thankful spirit. When you have a thankful spirit toward God, you'll give. When you have a thankful spirit toward your spouse, your husband or your wife, you'll give. I'm always giving my wife something because I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And, and, you heard me say, sometimes perhaps it's a little difficult to be really thankful when you don't know what it's like on the other side. But if you've ever been in a mess and you get delivered from the mess and God place you in a good situation, it's easy to be thankful. Who Jesus. Did you say it three times? I thank God that I have a what? That I have a thankful spirit. Listen to this. You may want to put this to remembrance. Complaining will always, complaining will drag you down into the darkness of despondency. Complaining will drag you down into the darkness of despondency. 
See, depression just simply means you're looking at something and you don't see a way out. So you get depressed. Depression is just simply you're looking at a situation and you don't believe in your heart that it's going to change, certainly anytime soon, and you get depressed. If you read your Bible, Jesus dealt very strongly with people who complained. Because you can't complain until you stop being grateful. That's why you've heard me say I have my mat at the door when I go in, so I see it every day, several times a day if I go in and out of my house, and the mat says, count your blessings. And I've looked at that mat so long that I've counted my blessings that I don't have time to count nothing else because I'm too busy counting my blessings. Is this blessing anybody? So complaining will drag you down into the darkness of depression or or despondency. Praise will lift you into the glorious light of God's presence. So complaining takes you out of God's presence. Praise and being thankful brings you into God's presence. Now you have to choose. From this day forward, you won't be able to say you didn't have a choice. I just woke up and it was like this. No, you made a choice. As a matter of fact, if you praise him before you go to bed, there's a great possibility you're praising when you rise up out of bed. And if your spouse is all messed up on the left side or all messed up on the right side, get on the side that they got it together and start praising God. And believe in God that that good part on the left side will start to flow over to that other side. Are you listening to me? Because divorce is not your answer. You got to fix this. Ooh, Holy Ghost, he's going this side. See, divorce is not your answer. You got to fix this. Because if you divorce, you're still going to take it wherever you go. And you don't have enough time to get married and divorce and married and get divorced. Jesus is coming. You don't want to be at the altar trying to marry somebody when he's coming to marry you. got to fix it. Well, I just don't like her. Well, she don't like you either. You got to fix it. You got to fix it. And if you're two born-again believers, you can fix it. If you're really submitted to the Word of God, you can fix it. And you had no business getting married being as selfish as you are. And now that you're married, you got to fix it. You can't run. You got to fix it. God created me a clean heart. Renew within me a thankful spirit. So I don't run a good woman off or a good man off. So I don't get stupid and leave this blessing that you brought to me. Somebody better help me preach. Sometimes the reason you don't like them is because you're so tied up in yourself. It's all about you.
Somebody said, well, preacher, how do, how do I get my heart changed? Start giving. Just start giving. Your heart will follow. Get, give enough until your heart gets hooked up. Invest enough to where your heart gets excited about it. I got too much invested in you to leave you. They're, they're laughing at me. Uh, Dave, Dave, Dave Ramsey, ever heard of him? Dave Ramsey said, he said, uh, he said, money. I wrote it. I don't want to say it wrong. Where is it? Where is it at? I put it somewhere. He's, can, I, can I paraphrase it? He said money is a magnifier. Matter of fact, I got it right now. He said money is a magnifier. All money does is the more you get, it magnifies who you are. That's what Dave Ramsey said. He said, money's a magnet. In other words, if you're stingy, when you get more money, you just become stingier. And if you're a giver, you just give more. He said, he said money's a magnifier. And, and if you don't know what's really in you, get some money. I'm not too talking about what you talk about you will do if you get some money. Girl, I tell you, if I, if the Lord just, the Lord, no, I know pastor, I know we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be buying lottery tickets, but I tell you what, if Lord, you know me, if I hit the lottery, I'm telling you, Lord, you know what I do. Whatever pastor house said, Lord, you know I do. You just lying. Money is a magnifier. So if you're stingy, you get more money, you become stingier. And stinginess is connected, according to the Bible, to covetousness. Ooh, Jesus. And you're going to have marital problems if you're stingy. Somebody said it real strong out there. Thank you, brother. You're going to have marital problems if you're stingy because women like stuff. And when she tells you that's enough, she's not telling the truth. Women like stuff. And you need to find out what she likes and just overload her with it. I'm telling you, because if you find out what she likes and you minister to her that way, she'll minister back to you. She's a responder. You don't like what you're getting? Then put something else in the bank. She's a responder. She's an incubator. Jesus. This is helping somebody on our e-church. If you don't like what you're getting, then change what you're giving. She's a responder. Can I go ahead? I don't know why I'm stuck on this. God never told your wife to love you. Pastor, she she just don't love me. God never told her to. Read your Bible. God never told your wife to love you. 
But he did tell you, brother, to love her. And he told you how to love her. He said you love her as Christ has loved the church who gave himself for her. Didn't tell the wife that, told the husband. And your house is jacked up because you're not loving her. Sitting around pouting, talking about she don't love me. She wasn't commanded to love you. She is a responder. If you give her love, she'll give you love back. If you give her a seed, she'll give you a child. If you give her groceries, she'll make you a meal. If you buy a house, she'll make it a home. She's a responder. Read your Bible. The Bible says the older women are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. And the problem in the church is how can the older women teach the younger women when the older women are hot themselves? How can the older woman teach when she's looking? Girl, I ain't got time to train you. I need somebody to train me. So you don't get a divorce because somebody said, I just don't feel like I love them anymore. What love got to do with it? It's a commitment. It's a covenant. For better or for worse. Sickness through health. For rich or poor. We're in this thing until death do us part. So we got a decision. Are we going to stay together, together and be miserable? Or are we going to stay together and fix this thing? Are we going to stay together and be miserable and die early? Or stay together and fix this thing and live long and strong? Talk to me, Mom and Dad Clayton. The only choice you have is to leave them. So you're going to leave them and go back out into that crazy world and try to catch another fish with a worm that's already been bitten on? The worm's almost dead. You going back out there? Rather than taking the word of God and believing the word of God and fix it, yes, it's going to take some work. Yes, it's going to take some patience. Yes, it's going to take some diligence. Yes, it's going to take praying. Yes, it's going to take fasting. But isn't he or she worth it? You don't appreciate anything unless you have to work for it. Nobody appreciates anything free.
That's why we struggle in appreciation of our salvation. Because it's free. But to live for God takes work. And you staying at home when you should be at church is not working. You're on break. And the break is over. It's time to come to work. And help us do this kingdom business together. Glory to God. Don't panic, Kate. If you're going to do it, go ahead and do it. So I close today. My time is gone. The antidote for depression, America, is not more pills, more drugs, not yoga, but G-O-D, meditating on him and praising God. I challenge you today to find something, to find something that you can look at and become so overwhelmed when you look at it that it makes you want to praise God that you have that in your life. Because everybody don't have what you have. Well, why do we all feel the same? Because everybody's looking at everybody else. Instead of looking at what you got. And we're not in competition. There's some things you have that I could look at and lust for that it is not even the will of God for me to ever have it. If I, it's making you happy, but if I get it, it'll tear my life down. It has nothing to do with my purpose. But I will praise him and open up the heavens to receive everything that I'm supposed to have. I'll praise him so that healing will always be in my house. I'll praise him so that a long, satisfied life will be mine. I'll praise him for everything he's given me so the devil won't have an opportunity to take away what God has blessed me with. Let everything that have breath Praise the Lord. I'll praise my way out of sickness. I'll pray. Listen, I can wake up feeling bad, but I'll praise my way into feeling good. I'll move so fast in the things of God, depression will have to go to somebody else's house because I'm moving too fast for God. God has done too many great things for me. That's why you've never heard me ever talk about somebody. In our fellowship, you've never heard me run somebody down. You've never walked away from my presence feeling indifferent about somebody. Why? Because God's been too good to me. That's why I don't get sick. That's why I don't age fast. I don't care what you say. And my hair is black and I didn't dye it. Because if I dyed it, my scalp would be black. Are you listening to me? And I'm proud of the way I am. I thank God for the hair that I have left. I know somebody want me to cut the rest off, but you just keep praying. I'm grateful. 
I'm grateful. I did run into one preacher, a bishop. Man, he was fighting. And I told my family, I said, if I ever get like that, don't y'all let me, don't let me walk around looking like that. But, I, but I'm, I'm just simply saying, I'm grateful. That's why the enemy can't stop me. And sometimes my enemy has kissed me on my cheek. And told me in my ear that they loved me and was my enemy all the time. And I'm still here. Because if you walk in love and walk in forgiveness, I'm telling you, you'll close the door on depression. Stop majoring and focusing on stuff you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have. I don't care what kind of car somebody's driving down the road past me. I'm glad for my truck. And I got more than a truck. We're not in competition. But we all are required to thank God for what he has already done in all of our lives. Would you stand to your feet? Praise is the antidote for depression. Praise is the antidote for depression. Teach your children how to praise God. Praise is the antidote for depression. When we're feeding people who are needing food, it'd be good for some of you to bring your children, bring your grandchildren, come to the church and help us feed these hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who come to get groceries. Expose your children to situations and circumstances so that they can see that everybody don't live like you live in. So that they can see that there are other people who are not as fortunate as they are. It'll help them to be grateful. That's why we're setting up an organization. Matter of fact, it would have been already implemented if the COVID virus hadn't have happened and the situation hadn't happened in Haiti. We were already setting up where our children would go for a week to Haiti to, uh, twice, uh, uh, two times every summer, one group for a week. And then another group for another week would go to Haiti and serve on the mission field. And was ready to launch that thing. And then all this stuff happened. Because our kids need to see that everybody don't have a house with, with lights in it. Everybody don't have a house with, with a, with a, uh, with a, with a, with a uh, we call that a furnace in it. That everybody don't have running water in their house. For them to go and see little kids out on the market with flies all over the meat. Little kids out on the street begging, hustling, and selling. They'll come back different children. They'll come back to your moms and their dads and say thank you. Because they'll be able to see with their own physical eyes. That's why you've heard me say over the years, nobody in this church will ever outpraise me. When I think of what God has done in my life, no way in the world I'm going to get up in the day and not thank him. 
And when I say everything I have is because of him, I really mean that. And if you follow me around 24-7, you'll see I really live that. My children aren't as involved as I would like for them to be involved, but my children do come to church, and they still hear me preach. That's no small thing, that now they're grown, they still want to hear their daddy preach the gospel. That means in their formative years, while I was raising them, something was set before them that did not turn their hearts away from God or their daddy. They've never heard me cuss my children. They've never heard me talk about a member, my children. They've never heard me talk about another pastor or church, my children. They've never seen me drink. They've never seen me smoke. They've never heard me curse. And I don't lie to them. They've never heard me cuss my wife, their mother. They've never seen us in an argument. They've never seen us having a wrestling match. Practicing for the WWF. Are you listening to me? I never did it before. They watch me study all their lives and they watch me live what I preach. Because at the age of my children now, you can't make them come to church. Some of you know what I'm saying. They come now because they want to come. And I praise God that my children still enjoy hearing their pastor minister the word of God. Ain't nobody saying nothing but me. But I earned it. It wasn't automatic. I had to live something before my children. Had to be a man of my word. Even when they didn't understand or didn't agree, I had to be a man of my word. And I don't think my children have ever seen me depressed. I don't think they have. I say that because I've had occasions where that thing has tried to grip my heart, certain things going on, and the devil will jump on my shoulder just like he does yours and say, it's over now. Boy, this is it. I know God's been faithful to you in the past, but uh, he's not moving on this one. And I have to force myself into praise and drive out depression. Because if I allow myself to waddle in depression, I'll make the wrong decision. I'll be making decisions out of a broken spirit instead of a thankful spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.